It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. If Bob Castellini is trying to sell a story, I ain't buying it. I do have a few thoughts, though, as to what he should have said. We'll also tell you why Jake Bowers will be on the opening day roster, but Alejo Lopez will not. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds. Thanks so much for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we are free and available on all platforms. I am Stephen Offenbaker alongside Jeff Carr, and we have a passion for baseball. We have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds, and we are taking that passion and turning it into information for you. On today's podcast, Jeff and I are going to discuss why the Reds won't be going after big name free agents anymore. But we've got to start things off with this candid, and for you YouTube viewers, air quotes, these candid interview in which Bob Castellini said the Reds weren't financially motivated to make the moves they've made this offseason. Today's episode is brought to you, brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. All right, Jeff, I don't know if you've had some time to digest this this Bob Castellini PR interview commentary, uh, but it really didn't make a lot of sense. No, I, I do not think it was well scripted and, and make no mistake about it. It was scripted, but the stated goal I think they had uh, was missed soundly like. The goal was a curveball low and away to Aristides Aquino, and Bob Castellini was Aristides Aquino. Like, he just he totally missed it. So uh, we got to break this down because he said a lot of things. And, and, and to be honest with you, in the history of Bob Castellini giving interviews to people, how many times has he ever said something that you're like, mm-hmm, that, yeah, we like that. Not a whole lot. So Not once. Yeah. With that in mind, Let's break down what he said, because the first thing that stood out to me, and it's not the first question that he answered, but the first thing that stood out to me that I was like, huh, this is really what you wanted to say, was the question that Tommy Thrall had that was basically were the trades about payroll or performance. And Bob Castellini said, quote, the motivation is and has been about winning. 
and establishing sustainability. The trades were about moving players to maximize return, aiming for the best talent and highest upside possible. Steve, I don't know about you, but I've seen many of articles talking about the war that has left the team and the war that came back, and there's a bit of a disparity there. Well, I think the the first follow-up question would have been, you know, what what sustainability are you trying to ensure the sustainability <laughs> of the talent or the sustainability of your bank account? Because there there's nobody that can break down the trade with the Seattle Mariners of Jesse Winker and a Eugenio Suarez and not come away with a clear picture that that was about cutting Gino's contract. And the only way to do that was to include Jesse Winker clear. Clearly there's, there's, there's no other way for that to be interpreted. So, you know, this is again where first uh, Nick Crawl said that trade wasn't about payroll. And then he said that trade was about payroll. And now Bob Castellini is trying to flip it back around and say that the trades were not about payroll. And so clearly there is, as you say, a messaging problem. Yeah, the, this is a I don't even know. I mean, epidemics mean that it's widespread, but I guess widespread throughout the Reds organization as a whole. We could go with that. Messaging is a huge epidemic problem for this Reds team. And we kind of move on to the next one because honestly, that question, he, Tommy Thrall literally said, was it about payroll or performance? So if you're Bob Castellini, why not follow up with one of those words? But he can't. And, and I always remember people saying, you know, if it's a yes or no question, give someone a yes or no answer. Don't explain away and beat around the bush, but that's all Bob Castellini did in this interview. And, and he didn't do it very well. And the next thing that Tommy Thrall said that, that Bob Castellini's answer was just, all right. When asked if the Reds are committed to winning, at least Bob Castellini said, absolutely. But then he followed that up. by say that commitment has never wavered. It is simply untrue that our resolve to win has waned. In any way, by the way, when and waned, when I practiced that, when I read that, I had to make sure that I split that because that was going to get all kerfuffled. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, uh, that's another thing where it is obvious Tommy Thrall was given a script and this is what he was supposed to say, because the follow up question would be describe waning. Because uh, I don't think he is correct here. That is very obvious that, all right, we wanted to win in 2020 and 2021, but we didn't want to win this year because we can't afford it. You have to remember, and I'm going to disagree with you here. Uh, the question was asked of Bob Castellini. Has his commitment to winning wavered or waned in any way? And the fact yeah. of the matter is it has not. This is always who he's been. Every move that the Reds have made that was a positive move or that added payroll, uh, he had to be strong-armed by Dick Williams and the Williams family to do. Uh, he's been committed to his bank account all along. His level of commitment to investing in this team and winning hasn't changed since the day he bought the team. It's exactly the same. So, <laughs> so he's telling the truth here. I mean, he, he can look in the camera at, with a straight face on this one because sometimes you know the truth is the easiest thing to remember. And it's true. His commitment hasn't wavered. It hasn't waned because it never existed. That's true. And, and, and to be honest with you, I think I was, I was approaching that from the wrong 
um, angle there. But thinking about it, this was the first question in this posted interview on MLB.com. And um, I, I think of this as like that scene from The Office whenever Dwight shoots the gun. And he's he's like saying, did I shoot a gun in the office? Yes. Do I regret it? Yes. And uh, <laughs> Joe is sitting there. He's just like, stop asking yourself easy questions so you can look like you're saying something. Because, yes, that was an easy question that, of course, he he's never not been committed to winning. He just doesn't commit the same way that we fans would want him to. Um, and, and then this one really got me as well. After just missing the playoffs last year, what was the plan? coming into this year to which Bob Castellini said, quote, we've seen that our focus on sustainability through acquiring and development and developing talent is working in 2021. We had 18 players on the regular season roster come through the Reds minor league system. Um, uh, Steve, four of those guys aren't here anymore. I, I, I here's, get it. here's here's the thing i'll tell you what i'll tell you what this is probably the closest in this interview that bob castellini actually came to saying something of substance and what really what this really says is we are going to try and be tampa bay that is what this paragraph is really trying to say without saying the words Tampa Bay. That's how <laughs> I read it. That's my interpretation of what's going on here. I think that's the closest Bob came to being open in the entire interview is right here with this question. I think that is kind of something that we um, just talking about this Reds team throughout the offseason is kind of we've kind of come to that conclusion. That's where the Reds need to be. They're never going to not be, hey, we're small market. We're not going to spend a lot of money. We get that. We understand that. I, I know they're not going to add two hundred million dollars to the payroll this year. I, I understand that. Whatever. I don't like it. But yeah, I understand that they have to do it differently than the Dodgers. I just don't know why he didn't come out and say that. Like, that's what gets me about this whole interview. He. I don't know if gaslight is the right word, but it really felt like he was trying to tell us that everything they have done this offseason were good moves when absolutely everybody that saw these moves has completely disagreed with that narrative. Well, it's it's pretty clear that if you if you go back and look from the time the lockout ended through right now where we are today and when the Reds made their moves on a national level, on a local beat writer level, on uh, the community of Reds podcasters and independent journalists, everybody had the same reaction to what the Reds were doing. And that reaction was, do you have any idea what the hell the Reds are doing? That was everybody's <laughs> reaction. So, I mean, there wasn't a plan. There was no plan. I think that they were just, they were just kind of rolling with it and seeing what would stick today. So I think uh, the big takeaway, Jeff, is that the Reds and in particular, Bob Castellini just aren't good at this whole PR thing. No, they are not. Uh, don't bet on Bob Castellini saying something that's going to make you feel better about this Reds offseason. But we know how we, he should have answered a few of Tommy Thrall's questions. We tell you how right after I tell you about the best place to get Info for your next bet. It's Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the best place for sports information, news, scores, and odds and props and lines. 
on the web. You can check out some great stuff that they've got. You, you've got futures that you can get in on the Reds, whether it's win total. I know that's been moving quite a bit. You're going to want to check that out at Bet Online. Plus, you can look at their odds to make the playoffs, which honestly haven't gotten much better since we talked about them. They started at plus 350, i.e. the Reds have an 83.3% chance to miss the playoffs. I don't think that's gotten much better since then. And if you believe that's going to happen, you can get it at a pretty good value. I'd hold off on that, though. But BetOnline.net has you covered this season, next season, every season, whether you're talking about basketball, whether you're talking about baseball futures, the NHL, boxing, UFC. They've got you covered for all of that and more. Head on over to the best spot for all your sports scores and news this season. And don't wait to take advantage of the new and amazing offers available for each and every season. That's at BetOnline.net where the game starts. Make sure you give Locked On MOE Prospects a listen after today's podcast. Lindsey Crosby is a minor league encyclopedia and will keep you up to date on the up-and-coming players as well as some college baseball talk. The Locked On MOB Prospects podcast is free and available on all platforms just like Locked On Reds, which, by the way, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Locked On Reds. You can also follow Steve at S. Offenbaker, and you can follow myself at Jeff Carr with three F's, Steve. That's three F's, not two, and two R's as well. On tomorrow's podcast, we'll break down what position players will break camp with the Reds on opening day, and based on what Bob Castellini failed to say, and based on what we are going to kind of help uh, fix the messaging here in just a moment, we're going to look at what the direction and the plan for the Reds should be moving forward. Uh, Let's reword Bob Castellini's answers here, Steve, because this interview was definitely a PR move, but I don't think it accomplished its goal. It didn't. And I think I want to, I want to try and bring into perspective exactly what this was. Uh, this, this interview this year is being compared a lot to the interview that Bob Castellini did with doc from the inquirer last year. And there are some very big differences between the two things. Uh, you know, I saw a lot of pushback of why Tommy Thrall didn't ask this, why Tommy Thrall didn't ask that, why wasn't there a follow-up? The fact of the matter is this was not journalism. This was not anything other than a team-sponsored, team-paid-for PR piece. Tommy Thrall is not an independent journalist. He does not work for somebody else. He works for the Cincinnati Reds. Bob Castellini signs his paychecks. So the questions that were asked of Bob Castellini were provided by Bob Castellini or somebody else with the last name Castellini. There was never going to be an I gotcha moment in this whole thing. So Tommy Thrall was doing a job. Tommy Thrall was doing exactly what he gets paid to do. And, you know, it's unfortunate. The the interview with Doc last year was much more egregious than what we saw from Tommy Thrall because Doc is paid by somebody else independently to ask the hard questions. Doc was being paid to have the gotcha moment, and he chose not to take it. And that's the big difference between the two interviews. So... Uh, you know, as a PR piece, Jeff, this failed miserably. So let's try and let's try and correct the answers, I guess. Let's try and let's let's take a stab at this. We'll go with with the first one. Let's start out with questions that seem to be on the minds of all Reds fans after the trades made by the organization since last season. Are the Cincinnati Reds committed to winning, Jeff? 
we are committed to winning as long as it falls within our budget. I know fans aren't going to want to hear that. I know that that is not the best way to kind of put this, but as it stands, the Cincinnati Reds cannot compete payroll-wise with the Los Angeles Dodgers, but we can build a team that does compete with the Dodgers when we focus on drafting and developing players. That seems to be the buzzword that everybody hears from us, but that's how it's going to be. We cannot sign 30, 35, $40 million free agents every single offseason. In fact, we're never going to sign that sort of a contract. So with what we have, we have figured out a plan to get us back into contention in a year or two. That's why this year it looks like we're kind of trying to take a step back, but we have never stopped wanting to win. It is just simply our means to do so differ from those around the league. I think that's probably a great answer, Jeff. I think if I were to, to do it, uh, you know, I would try and be just very succinct with it and say the Cincinnati Reds are not in the financial position to compete with the Dodgers and the Yankees of Major League Baseball. What the Cincinnati Reds are committed to doing is churning this roster on a daily basis to bring you the youngest, most talented players that we can acquire to put a winning product on the field for you. That's what I would have said. Yeah, and I think that, honestly, if you look at the future of the Reds, the mark that will be the most damning is if the farm system falls below, like, the 20th ranking. Like, if they're ever in the bottom third of the league, something has gone horribly wrong because they have to continuously have this wellspring of talent coming up through the minor leagues because if they don't, then you're going to run into years like 2015 through 2019 where you just didn't have any sort of competition. All right. I'll ask you the second question that Tommy Thrall had for Bob Gasolini. He said, after being so close to the playoffs in 2021, what was the organizational mindset heading into this season? And I think this builds upon our last question, Jeff. I think the answer is this. Uh, we have identified that with the new changes to the collecting bargaining agreement and what other teams are going to be able to do financially, we are not going to be able to compete with them dollar for dollar. However, as an organization, we are committed to identifying other organizations' needs, and we are committed to going out and acquiring that young talent from those organizations by trading our controlled assets to get the best return possible and maximize the, the wins that we can put on the field for our fans here in Cincinnati. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that answer as well. And look, we are putting words into Bob Castellini's mouth, but words that he should have had in his mouth already, because these are good things. We are not trying to assume what the answer should be. This is what the answers should actually be. This is not an assumption, because the way that I would have worded it is as such. Look, the roster that was the Reds in 2021 had a lot of talent on it, and we were so super close. The problem was the holes that remain were just outside of our budget to fill, and we had not done a good job of building internally to that point. And so the contracts that we had made were already stretching us to the brink. We had no flexibility. We had no financial ability to go out and fill those holes. So we took a step back this year. It probably looks like we have a worse roster in 2022, but in a couple of years, we're going to be right exactly where we want to be because of this financial flexibility, as much as it might pain me to say that it looks like we've probably taken a step back. I'm really interested to hear what you do with this next question, Jeff, because I think you touched on it just a little bit right there. Uh, the question is, what was the primary motivation behind the recent trades? We're talking about Sonny Gray to Minnesota. We're talking about Winker and Suarez to Seattle. What was the primary motivation behind those trades? Was it about payroll? 
or was it about performance? It was about payroll because we went all in a couple of years ago when we traded for Sonny Gray, when we signed Mike Moustakis, when we signed Nick Castellanos, when we brought Wade Miley in, we went all in and we thought that that was the roster that was going to bring us the playoff, the playoff success that we all wanted so bad. But since it didn't and since it kind of fell apart and we got to the point where we really couldn't continue that sort of all-in mindset when it comes to the major league payroll and then also still provide – an entire organization of talent development, we had to choose one over the other and development is what will make us a sustainably successful franchise in the future. So yes, we made some payroll decisions this off season to set us up for future success. I agree with you, Jeff. I think the answer would be to, with uh, you know, a sincere heart, say the the trades were motivated motivated by payroll. Uh, we did make an attempt in 2020 to go in and buy uh, the players that we needed to compete and put a winner on the field. Uh, COVID happened; nobody could control that, and the Cincinnati Reds were not positioned in such a way that they could overcome those financial losses and still continue to spend to put a winner on the field. So we decided to take a step back and adjust, free up some of our cash flow by moving some of those contracts and try again in a new way. And then this one, I honestly, I, I think this interview was finally written, had the answers kind of flowed as we are making them flow, because then this next question follows up with that as well. And what about free agency? Obviously, a lot has happened since 2020. How has that affected the team's spending in the free agent market from then to now? And I would piggyback that again with the nobody could anticipate the financial impacts that were associated with the loss of most of the 2020 season due to COVID and the changes that the team had to endure in 2021 as well uh, with reduced capacity to start the season. Uh, Cincinnati Reds are not like some of the larger market teams that were able to overcome the loss of fans in attendance simply with their television contracts alone. And in order to position the Reds to most uh, effectively compete in a way that will allow us to put a winner on the field, we had to change our direction. We're going to do that by building from within with young talent instead of going out and buying talent. Yeah, there was a momentum leading into the 2020 season. All Reds fans felt it. All Reds fans knew this was when the window was opening. And then, boom, something completely outside the organization's control absolutely derailed all of those plans because those contracts that they made before that season were probably going to be returned by ticket sales, by TV stuff, by postseason success. I firmly believe a full season, this team would have had success in the postseason. So... You look at all of that and the fact that all of that was derailed, we had to adjust. And I understand that every team was affected by this, but we had to uniquely position ourselves. I, I think that, honestly, Steve, we are not trying to make excuses for this organization. We are not trying to sit here and say that we agree with these messaging, but this is what Bob Castellini should have said. Totally what he should have said. And, and any, I just can't imagine they don't have a communications person that's telling them that. I, I, I believe there is a communications person telling them that and they're just ignoring the information. I really do. Uh, moving, moving further along into this then, uh, and I'm really interested to hear how you answer this, is how does this, the red spending compare to other teams? What needs to change to allow the reds to spend more money on players? 
Unfortunately, the market size does not allow us to compete with the Dodgers, with the Mets, with the, you know, even with the Braves, to be honest with you. So when we look at that, we have to focus our spending more on player development. We cannot spend big money on the free agents. Can we sign a couple of guys to fill holes? Sure. We brought in Tommy Pham. We brought in Hunter Strickland. Those are the kind of free agent deals you can expect from us in the future. But the core of our team, the meat and potatoes of our success is going to come from our farm system. It's going to come from guys who we have developed and prospects that we have acquired and then also brought into the res organization. It's no longer going to be a situation where we just go out and acquire big money contracts like the others, because in order for us to do that, we honestly have to have that postseason success. We have to get that bump in the playoff money that you get from television and, and playoff tickets and things like that. And until we get that, there's no way that we are going to be able to just balloon our payroll to match those other teams. You nailed that, Jeffrey, because that's the only answer that Bob Castellini could give because the only other answer to that question is, well, Tommy, I would have to sell the team. That's the only other answer that could be given there for the Reds to be able to spend more money on payroll. They would have to bring in a Steve Cohen type of owner that has more resources. And Bob can't say that. And Bob won't say that. So the answer you just gave, that's a home run. And look, the the whole reason that we did this exercise right now, the whole reason that we are answering this is not for us to be like, look, we're making excuses for the Reds. What we are doing right here is understanding that all Reds fans are a lot smarter than what Bob Castellini presented in his actual interview. I think that he was trying to convince Reds fans of something that they know is completely false. So with that, there's going to be the direction of a franchise that we are going to break down a little bit more on tomorrow's episode. But I, I think that all Reds fans understand the position of this team. We, we know that they're not just going to magically start signing all of the guys on the top 10 free agents list. But you cannot tell me that what they have done this offseason was performance-based. It just wasn't. It was not at all. Listen, Jeff, I think that was a great exercise. And I think we did cover a lot of territory there and, and speak some truths, I think is really, is really what we did there. Uh, On tomorrow's podcast, we're going to continue to look at the Reds direction and, and kind of break down what we think it should look like based on the words they're saying to the public. Uh, but before we do that, I want to switch gears and let's talk a little three up and three down. We'll talk about three players whose stock is on the rise and we'll talk about three situations where the stock might have taken a dip over the past week. Uh, before we get into that though, I want to talk to you a little bit about built bar. Uh, if you are looking for a healthy snack to get you through the rest of March madness and the college basketball season and get you ready for the upcoming 2022 major league baseball season, look no further than built bar built bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It might even taste better than a candy bar built bar makes it easier to stick to your diet and to be healthy because it tastes so good you are going to want to eat it Uh, unlike those other pro protein bars that you know can taste chalky and be waxy and really taste like you're drinking um, out of a bucket from a chemical spill Uh, you want to eat healthy and doing that can get boring 
and you're ready to just give up on it very quickly. But Built Bar helps you stick with it. Built Bar is covered in 100% real chocolate, and they have amazing health statistics. And this is a baseball podcast. We love statistics here. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Built Bars. Built Bar is only 130 calories, four grams of sugar. For you keto folks, that's only four net carbs, and they are jam-packed with 17 grams of propane. <laughs> I do it every time. They are jam-packed with 17 grams of protein. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> they have great flavors that don't include propane. They've got cherry barcia. They've got coconut brownie chunk. They've got salted caramel and many, many more. They've got other great products like uh, puffs that litter Jeff's office space. If you've ever been in that office, you trip over the Built Bar wrappers. I am telling you the truth. Head over to Built.com right now and with your order, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your order at Built.com. Again, Built.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. Thanks again for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. Make sure you are following the podcast on all platforms, including YouTube. Jeff, let's get into the three up, three down segment because these are always very fun. I'm looking forward to do these on every Monday, uh, just as much as I'm looking forward to getting that read right just one time and I not need, saying the word propane. I need a grilling season built bar flavor called propane. I don't know what it would taste like. It probably wouldn't be every very good. Every time, yeah. Jeff, every <laughs> single time. I don't know. That's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, right, let's Steve. talk about these guys. Three up, three down. Uh, the, the biggest up so far, Jeffrey, has been Jake Bowers. He came in with a, not a lot of expectation attached to him, at least as far as the Reds fan base was concerned. Uh, I think maybe the Reds front office and the scouts saw something a little bit different. And, and that's the reason they brought him in here in the first place, because he's been tearing it up. Yeah, because when he was signed, there wasn't a whole lot of pomp and circumstance. Folks were just like, all right, whatever, Jake Bowers, we'll see what happens. But I think that he has shown, and it's been a tiny, minuscule sample size, but he has looked very nice in spring training. And I think the expectation was on his acquisition that he would actually make this roster. It wasn't like just filling a spot on a spring training roster. It was, I think he's going to be an interesting bat off the bench for this Reds team. I know they got a left hand, a lot of left-handed bats already, but you talk about a first baseman slash corner outfielder uh, and DH possibility, especially with the upheaval that this roster has seen. I think he's going to make the opening day roster, and I think we'll talk more about that on tomorrow's show, but I think his stock is way up. Totally agree, and as far as making space for him, uh, I'll save my comments when we get into that on tomorrow's podcast because there's going to have to be some roster creativity uh, as things begin to shake out here in the final week heading into uh, opening day. But the the up section of this podcast today, Jeff, is, is apparently you need to have the name Jake because our next guy is Jake Fraley. Uh, he has come in in this trade from the Seattle Mariners where people were not very happy to see him. People felt like he was a very definite offensive downgrade from the person that he's replacing out there. And the defense uh, may be a little bit better, but some reports say not so much. So uh, he came in again, I think, also with not high expectations and in fact, a little negativity working against him. But he's putting together a pretty nice spring. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting because I don't know one Reds beat writer who hasn't talked about the fact that he's going to be an integral part of this roster. He's going to be a dude that maybe he doesn't play every day, but he's going to play against right-handed pitching, whether it's in the right field, left field, or center field. He can play all three positions. 
and he can do it better than Jesse Winker did defensively, of course he's an offensive downgrade. Jesse Winker, when he was healthy, was one of the best offensive players in Major League Baseball, without a doubt. But Jake Fraley can at least provide an interesting bat in this lineup from the left-handed side. Plus, you're talking about a dude that, honestly, whenever he came over, there were a lot of folks on Twitter that were having fun and being like, who's this guy? This guy sucks, or something like that. You know, like... um, uh, somebody, I, I remember specifically, there was somebody who tweeted, it was just like, Jake sucks. And the Twitter handle, the guy's name was Scott, not, not friend of the podcast, Scott, but a different Scott. And, um, Jake's response was, yeah, I know my mom, I really didn't like the name Jake. I really wanted a much cooler name like Scott. And I was like, okay, I really like this guy. I'm going to root for him. I, I think he's awesome. And I, it's more of a bias thing at this point. I know the talent wise, he's less than Jesse Wigger, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. And the uh, the other guy here on this up list, Steve, if I can finish it out for you, is interesting to me because I did a fantasy baseball draft over the weekend. And if you look at ESPN.com, based on their projections for fantasy points, the number two, number one, obviously, is Lucas Sims in the Reds bullpen. Number two, Reds bullpen arm is Art Warren. How about that? I'm going to say stock up on him because uh, ESPN is saying he's going to be the second best Reds relief pitcher. And uh, I'm for it. I I like it. Well, you've been saying that all along, that if Art Warren is healthy and goes out and performs to the best of his ability, he could be considered one of the elite arms in this bullpen. Uh, You know, obviously, when Lucas Sims comes back, ace of the bullpen. Uh, We're looking at Luis Sessa to be ace 1A of this bullpen. But Art Warren, this is absolutely right. This is spot on that uh, if he is healthy and continues to build upon what he did last season, uh, he's going to be another one of the elite arms in this bullpen. I agree. And which leads us kind of to moving um, to the downside. And, And look, I don't mean this to be like negative in any way. It's just what we are seeing with what how things are unfolding during training or during spring training and all that different stuff. And number one, unfortunately is one of my favorite reds and a guy that I really want to see get more opportunity, but very early on as they were making roster cuts and sending guys down to minor league camp, Alejo Lopez, he's already been sent down to minor league camp. I really thought that he had a shot to make it on this bench and make it on this roster for opening day, but he just, he really hadn't done much this spring, at least at the plate. And I think it shows Fourth, as the Reds have cut him from major league camp and sent him down to minor league camp. You know, I think his days were numbered uh, as the Reds went out and made their free agent signings and brought in guys that were going to be on guaranteed money that could play the infield. Uh, I don't believe that we will not see Aleo Lopez this season. Injuries oh, are going yeah. to happen. Things are going to happen and he will be back. And I really, really do hope that when he does come back, he's able to make the most of those opportunities because I'm with you. I was really rooting for him to get some significant playing time to really see what he could be. And, you know, Jeff, one of the other downs that I wanted to kind of include today just in a more lighthearted manner is uh, a down uh, in all of major league baseball. And that down is anybody that's trying to issue any type of apology while Nick Castellanos is in a batter's box. I don't know if you (laughs) caught this, but on the Toronto blue Jays broadcast yesterday, uh, Nick Castellanos comes up uh, to bat for the Phillies and the Phillies announcer or, or the blue Jays announcers are working through an apology from the Blue Jays pitching coach because he got uh, cited for driving under the influence. 
And so mm. in the in the course of them working through this apology from the pitching coach, of course, Nick Castellanos gets his very first hit uh, wearing a Phillies uniform out in spring training. So, uh, you know, once again, there's a drive to deep left field. It's Nick if being it's, Nick. If it's anything I've learned about Nick Castellanos in the few years that he was a red, he is not going to let you not pay attention to him. He wants to make sure that you know he is playing because when he's playing, things happen. And, and they're usually pretty good if you're a fan of the team that he's playing for. <laughs> and then let's move along to the final down of our three downs for today, Jeff. And that is your pitching projection for the last two spots on the bullpen uh, for the Cincinnati <laughs> Reds. And I say mine. yours because you built the rundown that day, not <laughs> I. Uh, of course, Godley and O'Brien, who we said would probably make the team uh, based on their 40-man roster status, in fact, are not making the team. They have been sent to minor league camp. So of the final three spots that we projected, we are um, 0 for 2. Yeah, and we were looking at that rotate or at the pitching staff and saying like, okay, there's a couple of definite spots that are open that uh, we can talk about, and yeah, completely whiffed on two guys already because they've already been sent down. Like, there's still plenty of time left in spring training, and there's still plenty of guys on the roster that need to be sent to minor league camp. My predictions were in the first cuts; they weren't like even close. So, yeah, definitely putting myself on the hot seat there. Definitely on the three down because. Like my NCAA tournament bracket, it was bad. Bad predictions. <laughs> well, the big takeaway, Jeff, is as we move into building what the lineup will look like over the next few episodes, I will be making the rundown for be those shows. <laughs> I think that's probably a great spot to, to wrap it up for today, Jeff. That's going to wrap up this edition of Locked on Reds. Coming up on the podcast tomorrow, we will start breaking down the positions players that we think will break camp with the Cincinnati Reds as they head north. Uh, or actually they're not heading north this time. They're going to be traveling east to Atlanta because the Reds are opening on the road. So we'll begin to break that down and talk about the position players that we think will be breaking camp with the team. And uh, we will also continue to look at why the Reds won't be making any more free agent deals uh, ever again. And we will try and set a new direction for the team based on the words that they are saying. Thanks again for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. Now make the Locked On MLB podcast your second listen. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on, ma on the major leagues, both past and present. The Locked On MLB podcast is available on all platforms freely, just like Locked On Reds. Jeff, we're about 10 days away from opening day. The Cincinnati Reds travel to Atlanta. What can people count on from us? We are Locked On Reds every single day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.